Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Weekend at Dave's. I am your host, David Silbert, and this is the fourth and final episode of our PAX East 2019 special coverage. Um, Yeah, it has been a fantastic weekend. We are actually recording this after the weekend has finished up uh, because when I got back Sunday afternoon, I collapsed on the couch, fell asleep, didn't have time to to, uh, finish up my thoughts on Monday, so here we are. Um, recording this Tuesday night, set to go out Wednesday morning, and I uh, cannot wait to show you to uh, say the rest of my thoughts on on this wonderful convention. Uh, It really was a phenomenal weekend, four days of just action-packed gaming goodness. Uh, We've already covered a ton of phenomenal games, both indie and larger AAA titles, and we're going to continue that trend right now with a whopping, I'm eyeing it right now, at least 12 to... 12 plus games, 12 to 15 games that uh, I played on Sunday. Some were were better than others, but all all the games I played this weekend um, on Sunday and, and this weekend at large were just the quality of them was was so high in general, and that was kind of my biggest takeaway again and again every day after I came back at PAX, which is how how high the quality for games has been and for indie games especially and that's a really comforting thing as somebody that is passionate about games and I know I don't always get the time to play all the games that I that look interesting nor do I ever get the time to complete them all but it's comforting to see that so many talented developers are getting in on on you know on leaving their mark on gaming and and leaving uh, gamers with plenty of phenomenal experiences to partake in. So, yeah, with that, let's just hop right in. And, yeah, let's share some thoughts on, on the rest of uh, this wonderful weekend. So, first thing I played on Sunday was actually... Well, I should preface this, actually, by saying that I was going to Sony's booth to see if I could uh, get a, an appointment for control or hop in the line for days gone i ended up not getting to play either of those games and in my opinion at least those are the two biggest uh games of the of the convention so those are the the biggest highest profile games on display at pax and you know what after thinking about it it occurred to me that days gone if you're interested in getting some coverage for that game there are plenty of other outlets you can you can write uh read a preview on you can see plenty of there's you know there was a recent uh new trailer shown for the game so there's plenty of places where you can get your days gone fill and the game is coming out later this month so not too far away control is a little bit later this year i believe during the summer um don't remember the exact date but again there was a recent game informer cover story where you can read up on that the point i'm making here is that by not partaking in those games, in fact, it le- gave me room to really talk about some lesser-known titles that you might not have heard about. So while I was disappointed to not get the chance to play Control, as I, I am a huge uh, Remedy fan, I'm a huge Max Payne fan, Alan Wake fan, um, even Quantum Break, that's okay, because now I get to show you guys all these other games I got to play. And so, yeah, let's just hop in. The first game I played was actually at Sony's booth once I realized that I was not going to have a chance to play the larger two games, and that is Dreams from Meteor Molecule. I had the chance to sit down and, and play a little bit of the game and, and play a little bit of uh, some curated content from either Media Molecule, Media Molecule or uh, fans that had the chance to create content during the closed beta for Dreams. And so it's, it's hard to kind of gauge... W- 
my thoughts on the game so far just because it's not really a game it's a little larger than a game it's more of a, a platform on which people can create games um the tools i didn't see too much i didn't really go into making things so i can't really speak too much about the the ease of tools or anything like that but the games i played were fun enough there were uh i played a few one was just kind of a, a little vignette in which you're trying to hug a bunch of little uh creatures on on a in this round circle arena and they all start running away from you the second that you start running towards them and they you know they all basically go and hide and you're left on this empty platform as kind of this uh as the scene comes to a close and it, it you know fades to black or fades to a to a circle and then to black uh you know just a small fun little sad vignette um, another experience had me doing a, a bit of a, like a horror, a horror game where you're, you're beat em up games mixed with a little bit of horror elements where you're navigating a, a fixed camera in like a cellar and you're trying to get from point to point. Another one was a traditional 2d platformer in the vein of Mario. And then another one was more of a 3d collectathon in the, in the vein of like Banjo Kazooie. So there are a lot of different game types. Seemingly dreams can know be a platform for any kind of game i imagine we'll see some first person shooters and some rpgs and some racing games and anything you could probably think of can happen in this game the quality of the games that i played you know at pax were not great like they were not a lot of the especially the user created content was not great even though it was curated by media molecule uh, a couple of the media molecule things were a little stronger especially that the collectathon was the the strongest of the bunch and that gave me hope that this could be really interesting um, I'm never the biggest fan of, of content created services like as like a platform just because there's already such a high quality of games coming out as is. I mean, it's great for people that want to save a few bucks and stay within the the realm of don't mind staying in the realm of a single game slash engine. That's cool. Uh, but for me, I don't know, I, I, could, I get the feeling that after a while, maybe the floatiness of this game, you know, the same kind of problems that played Little Big Planet 1 through 3, where even though these games were all unique experiences, they still kind of revolve around the same engine, the same physics, the same basic properties. So we'll see if that's the, if that's the case with Dreams. However, if that's not the case, if players have a lot more control over uh, even the physics of the game and... and like right down to the the granular granular level of how things work, it could be very very interesting. So yeah, remains to be seen. Uh, my impressions were on the positive side. Again, I really enjoyed the collectathon game that that Media Molecule cooked up. Even if I was not able to find the final coin needed to progress, but that is all good. So we'll see more on Dreams as that develops. The next game I played was a game called The Blood Roots, uh, developed and published by Paper Cult. This is a game that appeared on the Nintendo Nindy Direct, for those that remember from a few weeks back, and it's a really interesting game. It is a title that is a little bit of a, it feels like Hotline Miami in the sense of you have a single life and basically one, your enemies die in one hit and you die in one hit as well. And it creates some tense encounters. It's a top-down, bird's-eye... It's a 3D game, but from a bird's-eye perspective where you're going through a forest, basically, in an outdoor environment, and you're trying to rack up damage. You're trying to eliminate these people or kill these people that are trying to kill you. And the thing that really makes this game stand out um, and the thing that differentiates it from a game like Hotline Miami is that the whole crux of the gameplay is picking up items, 
strewn around the environment that have different contextual uses based based upon you know the item that you pick up and based upon its specific use so for example if you pick up a ladder that might you know let's say there's a ladder that's that's uh, leaning against a tree stump you pick up the ladder and then suddenly all of a sudden you could use it as a propeller you literally propel it above your head and you can use it to take out enemies but you could also use it to to seamlessly hover around the environment as kind of a quick mobility option if you pick up a sword that's stuck in the ground you can then lunge through enemies in a very uh, satisfying fashion and you can, for example, find, you know, if you pick up a fish out of a bucket, you can start throwing them at, at enemies or slapping them with it. You can jump into a cannon, which will shoot you up into the sky, where you can then deal heavy damage to enemies as you come back down to the ground. It's hard to explain, uh, you know, based on the sound of it, you might just sound like a, a typical beat-em-up where you just pick up items. But really, the game is super clever, super clever with how, with the contextual-based items and... It's also very clever with giving players a lot of mobility options. So if you pick up, a, if you find yourself near a barrel, you can start rolling on the barrel to start running and plowing through enemies. So it's a very fast-paced, frenetic game that requires you to think sporadically, think on, on your feet, uh, come up with inventive solutions on how to progress because the enemies will come and chase you around the map and if you're not careful, you'll die right away. So you have to always be, there's a certain flow to it that reminds me of a game like Batman, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, you know, any kind of rhythm-based uh, or flow-based action game that works really nicely with this title. And so, yeah, it's coming to, I believe, PC, Switch, and probably a ps4 xbox one if i recall correctly coming out later this year definitely want to keep an eye on it is a fun one uh yeah i had a blast second game that uh well third game that i played but the second one in this sort of smaller category is uh, another game that i played uh, which was shown on the nindy direct a few weeks back and that is creature in the well which is developed and published by flight school studio this is a game that Again, as a top-down game, action game, almost like in the vein of Fury, the boss rush game from a year or two back. But Creature in the Well basically combines a top-down action game in the vein of Fury or even Travis Strikes Back with pinball mechanics, almost like Yoku's Island Express, that recent Metroidvania game that had pinball mechanics. So basically, you run around swinging a beam katana, and you can... You swat back white orbs of light, or, or these balls, in these confined environments trying to rack up points. So there'll be literally pinball-looking walls that you can bang against, that you can hit balls into, that'll rack up your score. It's basically energy, which kind of acts as a currency. So you need a certain amount of energy to open the door to progress to the next room. Um, that's basically the core gameplay crux is that you're, you're, you're swinging your katana to whack balls back around the environment. They bump into things, you build up energy, and that lets you get into the next room to progress. And of course, along the way, there are some more menacing enemies. There are some, what, what I guess you could consider boss fights. There are turrets that shoot at you. There are beams of light. Um, there are all kind of obstacles in your way. Um, but that's the gameplay core. And this is all wrapped around in this beautiful, gorgeous art style. Um, visual aesthetic that is very pleasing to the eye. It's very it's cell shaded. Uh, it feels a little bit color wise like a journey, except a little more stylized than that, perhaps. Um, a, like a little more like rougher colors thrown in for good measure. But it does seem to take place in like a desert environment, um, and your character is more of a cartoonish silhouette 
character as opposed to some really realistic figure. So some really interesting things I saw from the art style and um, also the gameplay design. Now, based on my demo, my time playing, uh, you know, I still have some questions about the combat. I didn't get like the biggest look on how things are going to work. Um, I don't know a lot of the bigger pieces that are going into this game, but the gameplay itself was, I think, definitely like fun enough to make me want to progress more. Uh, it remains to be seen, again, how... Uh, it was challenging when I picked it up. It just remains to be seen how much skill can be used to progress or how much is kind of blind luck of, you know, the equivalent of spraying and praying, which would be hitting and swinging and praying, I guess. But uh, for, what it's, for what it's worth, I enjoyed my time with it. And uh, I just had to plug the fact that I think it has like a really great UI specifically with its mini-map. I noticed this while playing and, and made an effort to tell the devs that uh, the mini-map in the lower right-hand corner is very simple. It, it, it's just a few dots that string along your, you know, document your path through this winding dungeon. And if you go to like a, a heal room, which is kind of a bathhouse that lets you recharge your health, um, it's very clever where they mark those rooms on your map seamlessly as you're progressing there's no need to reference a map you know in a in a main menu or anything like that um or in an options menu you basically just see in the lower right hand side of your map uh, of, of the screen and it's just very simplistic it doesn't get in the way of the experience it's stylish it's slick and i thought that was actually oddly enough my biggest takeaway from the game so um yeah so definitely one to keep an eye on uh, again i'm waiting for a couple things to coalesce uh you know kind of smooth together in terms of the gameplay i, I want a bigger picture for sure but um, I'm interested. I'm interested. The next game I played on Sunday was a game called Super Crush KO, developed and published by Vertex Pop. And this is definitely a lesser-known title. I'd never heard of it, certainly. Went up and uh, played it. The dev was very nice. Got me in there right away to play a little bit of it. And, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by what I played. This is a 2D uh, side-scroller beat-em-up where you play as a young girl who has the power to basically... Uh, do all kinds of things with it. You know, you have your standard punches and kicks. You can uh, double jump in the air. You can do bay almost Bayonetta-like kicks where you press the triangle button or the Y button and you are blazing through the air uh, with either like a, you know, an upwards rising kick or if you're on the ground, you do a sideways kick to basically begin or end, you know, finish off a combo into enemies that you're facing. Uh, you have a gun that you can also shoot while you're in the air that will kind of also let you remain standing in the air for a little bit you can dash around with the press of a trigger um so there are a lot of different mechanics going into this seemingly simple uh beat -em up and the thing that really struck me about the game is that the combo system the beat -em up the gameplay system at, at work all the mechanics very seamless very fluid there's a certain fluidity to all of it that was very satisfying so the gameplay was like Honestly, really fun. A good time. The color palette is gorgeous. A uh, lot of shades of pink and orange and yellow. Very vibrant. Almost like a power. You know, like a. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to go. I don't want to say feminine because, of course, feminine does, doesn't mean that you're tied to pinks and all that. But almost like a Powerpuff Girls kind of aesthetic, where you're playing as this young girl and and everything is just super vibrant and has just full of color and life. And it's just like a very awesome environment. Um, visually striking again, gameplay is, um, you know, very fluid and responsive and tight. Uh, and that makes it, you know, for me, I don't know how many, how much 
in terms of legs this game has. I don't really know a lot of the larger pieces in terms of how many levels, how long it is. But based on what I played, very fun game, and I'll definitely be looking for it a little bit later. Uh, this year, I believe, when it launches, and I believe it is coming to all major platforms, and I have to imagine the Switch as well. So yeah, keep an eye out. Another game I checked out on Sunday was a game called Felix the Reaper, developed by Kong Orange and published by Daedalic. This is a game I just happened to see while browsing the floor. Really got me interested based on the visual style, which has this kind of large, rotund character, the Reaper. He's dancing along uh, on this grid-based, almost isometric grid-based floor where, I mean, basically, long story short, the game is a puzzle game where you are playing as the Reaper and you're trying to set up a series of events to result in the death of a, either an animal or a person. And it works by basically being, you can move a certain step, you, you can move along this grid and you can move in the shadows. So if there's a tree, basically you could be out in the wilderness in like some Siberian wilderness, and there are trees that'll create shadows against the sun. And so basically you can move in the shadows and, you know, as far as you want, as far as the shadow extends, but you cannot move into the light. I guess, I guess reapers are allergic to light. What you can do to help you with that fact when things get tricky is you can trigger uh, an animation that rotates the sun about you know, 90 degrees. So the sun starts going perpendicular to where you were or at a different position from where you were. And that'll reveal new shadows on the map that'll allow you to progress a little further. And so the art of this puzzle game, so to speak, is to keep uh, switching back between places and placement of the sun to manipulate shadows in a way that you can get to your objective and, and, and accomplish your mission. So it's an interesting concept. I got a little confused. The tutorial was not like the clearest thing. And uh, some of the controls I felt were a little unresponsive when playing through. Still, uh, it's a bit of it's a unique idea. Um, the, you know, the character itself has a lot of style to it. He's, he's listening to headphones like this is every other day to him and he's doing popping out dance moves and he's just this large adorable little um, you know little guy uh, acting as the Reaper so curious to see how the gameplay works out with this one or you know how, how much depth there is as it was I got a little tired fairly quickly during my time playing um, so I don't know that I think may, either uh, it needs to work itself out or it needs a little some, some extra polish or something um, but I think there's some interesting ideas at play here, and again, it's all wrapped up in some in some really interesting uh, storytelling and, and, and presentation. So, yeah, an interesting one for sure. Next one I played, Hamsterdam, Pause of Justice. This is developed by Muse Games. Um, it <laughs> This one was a fun one. It is a beat-em-up game mixed with a it's like an on rail like almost if honestly reminds me of like a rhythm game like almost like an elite beat agents in the sense of you play it's a level based game where you play as a hamster a really tiny small cute adorable hamster and you are beating up baddies in this i mean the developer was comparing it to kind of an arkham battle system where again i, I use the arkham comparison to to back for bloodroot saying it's a very flow based game for this he's using it as an example of how it's rhythm based 
you have to time attacks, you have to choose where you're attacking, you know, there might be multiple enemies attacking you at once. I mean, it was an interesting comparison for me, uh, mainly because you don't actually move in the game from what I can tell. Um, you're mainly, it's basically on rails, like more like a rhythm game, like a traditional rhythm game, like Elite Beat, Beat Agents, where you're watching stuff happen on screen and you're seeing quick time events or little button presses, um, little circles are shrinking and you have to tap buttons in the correct timing. Um, but in terms of, I mean, in terms of rhythm, it really is, uh, it's a definitely a rhythm-based game. So I, I, I would compare it more akin to a, a mu rhythm music game. And I think that's fine. Like, I think the, the game was very fun. I thought the combat was uh, responsive. It was fluid. It was satisfying enough. And uh, there were also some some interesting boss battles that I got the chance to play against. So uh, uh, that really required some quick reflexes and some quick wits as uh, basically you can those boss battles give you a little more room to open up your, uh, your, your movement. So it becomes less on rails, less static and more, you're moving between a couple lanes and you have to dodge fists and, and bombs and you have to, you know, get in the right lane to ask, you know, to, to get a, uh, get your hands on another hamster so you can fling him onto the boss's back. And he, you know, eventually you build up three of them and then he'll fall over and you can do your attacks to his face. So uh, there's a little bit of, um, I mean, basically, at its heart, it really is just a lot of rhythm and music-based gameplay is definitely what I saw, at least. Um, just because any, anything from all the inspirations from, like, lane-based gameplay to rhythmic button tapping to some quick-time events and contextual events uh, screams something like Guitar Hero or, you know, any kind of game from a harmonics or, or somebody like that. But... All in all, it was actually a very fun experience uh, coming from a small, I believe, a single developer or, or at least a small team. Um, and it looked great, looked gorgeous, and I didn't hear much of the sound design. I hope it's some kind of catchy music to go along with the you know, the kind of rhythmic, catchy gameplay. But um, yeah, that game is launching on PC, Switch, iOS, and Android, I believe. And potentially Vita, which is kind of, I asked them about it, I was like, right, are you sure Vita? They're not sure about it just because of, of course, the lack of support from Sony on, on that platform at this point. But certainly the previous, the other uh, platforms I mentioned, uh, they want to be your go-to stop in the portable space for, for a nice little rhythm game. So that's quite nice. Next game I played is a game called Zero North, Zero West, developed by Color Fiction. It is a game on steam right now that is more of a relaxing uh, game that's all about exploring environments almost like kind of like a walking like an adventure game you're walking around you're looking at uh, these very trippy environments filled with colors the best comparison i can give is shape of the world which is a game i reviewed earlier uh, for the site and it was a game that was very much about just exploration soothingness colors you know very vivid color palette and using that to just kind of calm yourself down, a de-stressor at the end of the day, yada, yada. So that's what this game is. But what I was trying out was a VR mode that is going to be included, I think, as a free update for the game, I believe, later this year. Um, I played a little bit of it. You know, had a good time. Definitely very soothing. There's not much in terms of, like, gameplay to be had here. So if you're looking for that, you're not going to find it. But, uh, yeah, I had some... Nice moments of just going, exploring a few different worlds. Apparently there are a hundred, uh, which is kind of cool, uh, each with its own different feel. So one is more like tons of like, you know, color, like wide, like all the, all across the spectrum on the rainbow. Another one is more like, uh, white and black and gray, gray scale, uh, less vivid, 
more kind of just like square shapes a little more of a defined like some are like undefined and very like almost trippy i almost hurt my eyes looking at one of them and the other one was a little more like less abstract more concrete if that makes sense but um yeah i mean nothing really much to say about this other than that it was soothing it was you know it was nice to get to put on the vr headset at some point during the conference or during the convention on the show floor the next game it's actually one I'm definitely really stoked about. It is called One Step from Eden, developed by a single guy named Thomas Moon Kang and published by Maple Whisper & Co. This game got my attention right away when I saw a little uh, snippet of gameplay playing on, on like a nearby screen on the show floor because I'm like, I was looking at it and I was like, this game looks like a battle network game, like a Mega Man battle network game. And I found the booth after uh, several minutes of walking around trying to find it. And I talked to the developer. I was like, hey, what are your main inspirations? I'm assuming people might ask you this, but were you inspired by the Mega Man Battle Network games? And he was like, absolutely. Like, I love that battle system. And he went on to say that he's been developing, I believe, for two years this game. And he has enjoyed every minute thanks to just the, the intricacies of developing these mechanics, uh, these Mega Man-esque mechanics. And, you know, people a lot of people are going to be like, you know, the OG Mega Man games, Mega Man 1 through, you know, 11 at this point or whatever. Uh, those are the real Mega Man games. But for me, I grew up on the Mega Man Battle Network games. So, you know, I love RPGs and those were just some of the most fun. I think those are still to date some of the most fun combat systems. They weren't like the most difficult, but I think it's it's just like it was a great way of, of getting an active time battle system in that didn't feel like a, like a chore, like a giant chore. And it had some puzzle elements as well and some quick reflexes, and he's playing on that with this game. Instead of a 3x3 three three grid, you navigate a 4x4 four four grid, and um, you still have like a deck of cards that you use for different abilities, and it's more like a roguelike. I don't think there's like an overarching story. It's more about you're going from battle to battle, gaining new cards to add to your deck, and you basically... You, you get farther enough to get to certain boss points, and I, I believe you're just trying to go on like a certain run for as long as you can. I mean, it'd be great if there was more of like a single-player story element to to be found here, but I'm, I'm, I'm not like, you know, I, I don't want to get my hopes up on this um, when I don't know the full story. But just in terms of gameplay, it was very interesting. It was fun. Um, again, I would like a little more time to uh, dig into it to really get my... Uh, to really get a feel for it all but it's just great to know that somebody's a fan of that battle system and wants to make you know keep those games alive and, and add their own unique twist to it perhaps uh, and the other nice thing is that the game has a demo the demo that i believe i played at pax is playable now for anybody to enjoy so i will link that uh, along with the trailer in the article accompanying this mp3 so feel free to give that a go and see what you think Next game I played, a game called Cardpocalypse, developed by Gambrinus and also published by Gambrinus. Uh, this was a, these are the guys that made Guild of Dungeoneering, which was a game I reviewed for a different site, I believe, way back. Um, I forget a lot about that game. I believe it was a roguelike game uh, with, um, I don't know, some, I don't think it had card-based elements, but it had some, almost like a Darkest Dungeon feel where you're, delving into into some dungeons and you're trying to get loot and you're trying to bring that back and then build your character and go back and do it all over again so it was almost like a, a loot building game or um you know a loot 
Yeah, a dungeon crawling game where you get loot and you come back and you have a hub world and all that jazz. I wasn't a big fan of that game, but I tried this new game that they're making. It's called Cardpocalypse. You play as like a kid in high school and, and a different kid disappears. And it's kind of got one of those like weird like um, child disappearance, like murky, somber, like almost like Brick by Rian Johnson like feels to it. But um, very odd like choice of like the story in my opinion, but... The real draw to this game for me was the card play, the the card based gameplay. It's like a collectible card game in the vein of like a Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering. Um, so I, I got the chance to play with it, and really, honestly, the the gameplay was quite fun. As somebody that plays a ton of Hearthstone, you know, I'm always looking for new experiences, especially in a card based format. And this one had enough interesting parts to it to definitely be fun. Uh, I don't think I cared too much about the extraneous parts of the game i don't really care about navigating the overworld or this you know this school and interacting with people and and having like the story like i didn't really care that much about during my time playing but the the gameplay itself was quite fun and uh i don't want to get too far into the details for those that aren't familiar with hearthstone but basically some of the key differences is that your hero can attack every turn and uh, uh deal damage to the other hero and basically, after a certain point of taking damage, your hero card transforms into like a new. They're basically all these little minions or monsters, and they turn into transform. They mutate into these mega minions that have like additional effects. So it kind of keeps the game from feeling too stale, and it adds um, an interesting layer of strategy for you know anybody that was a big part of their playstyle in Hearthstone was trying to decide when to activate certain cards like when you fall below 15 health like whether it be Alex Straza or um, I'm forgetting the name of the card but there are cards that would let you buff up your your minions health when you're falling below 15 health um, that was always an interesting aspect of the game or those liking to play with you know I play around ice block or something like that like those interactions are definitely something that's going to be at play with this game and the game has a lot of interesting components to it uh, and it's easy to pick up relatively easy to pick up so that might be one that is worth keeping a watch on for you know my fellow card game fans okay so we're at a uh i got what do I, got? I got six more games to talk about this next one i am super jazzed about it is definitely one of my favorite games that i've played the entire not only on sunday but the whole weekend and i guess i, I gotta tell a little story before i go into it basically i walked over to the booth on saturday Huge line for the game, a lot of commotion. Looked at the artwork to see what the fuss was about, and it was a an Art Deco style with a young woman uh, with I believe brown, you know dark hair, um, kind of fifties forties era clothes on. And immediately my mind jumped to Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite. So immediately I was thinking Bioshock, like Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite, Bioshock One. This atmosphere, this Art Deco, uh, you know, kind of environment and atmosphere. And I talked to the dev the next day when there was no line. Lucky me. And, um, you know, he kind of was... He hesitated to compare the game to Bioshock just because it's not a shooter. But he, do, he did agree that it is an atmospheric adventure game with an Art Deco style uh, in kind of that 40s, 50s era. Um, or maybe even earlier on than that. And so this is a game called Close to the Sun. It is developed by Storm in a Teacup, which is an Italian uh, studio. I forget where, I think based near Rome. And it's produced by Wired Productions. And yeah, this game is a an adventure game in every, you know, in every, uh, every sense of the word. It's an adventure game. 
and no shooting to be found, but I basically played for, I strapped in for about a 40-minute demo on a, on a high-end PC to play, and uh, I was just blown away by the atmosphere of this game. The The story is that uh, you play as a young woman, your sister is like a talented engineer that was tasked by Nikola Tesla to join him on this like big project to create this, you know, this energy efficient or energy powered ship that's like the next marvel of mankind. And this is in an era where Tesla did not get his inventions like for you know stolen by Edison or get outclassed by Edison. So there's, I mean, there's still that animosity between the two of them. But Tesla is actually the head honcho now. He's like the big player. So it's playing in an alternative universe where that happened. And it makes, I mean, it makes for an interesting setup, but the real interesting thing about this game, if I'm being honest, is that uh, the atmosphere is just incredible. So the game looks absolutely gorgeous. It starts with you as the young girl getting on this Tesla ship, and the graphics are sharp, they're clean, they're beautiful, it reminds me immediately of something like Bioshock, like, like in terms of style, in terms of actual, like, technical graphics as well. And um, the thing that sets this apart for me is thinking that at first I, I just thought that this would be, you know, as an adventure game. I know people like to think of the term walking simulator. I'm not the biggest fan of the term just because I know it's, it's kind of pejorative in nature. But it, it crossed my mind that this game, I figured this game was probably an on-rails experience. A lot of barriers, like artificial barriers. You have to go a set place, um, yada, yada, yada. Um, I was getting on the ship and the protagonist who was talking to herself was like i you know i'm gonna need to find my own way there was there was no easy way to get to where i would need to go without perhaps drawing a bridge you know pulling a lever and drawing a bridge to, to let me across um i figured okay so if i walk to the edge of the the port that i'm on it'll just stop me and i'll go find whatever i need to progress to my to my surprise my other surprise i fell in the water and drowned so the game is actually not like playing around with actually making you feel like you know this is an artificial world like it very much wants to ground you in the world and make you feel like you're a living breathing person there there's a point later in the demo a few chapters in where you are trying to find some of your sister's research which is held in a private balcony um, at a theater actually held on the boat, which is huge. Like, the theater's massive. It was just, like, breathtaking when I walked in. But you're basically making your way to the balcony, and there's actually a bit of, a, like, a light platforming segment where you have to uh, traverse this tightrope-esque beam that, like, this pillar that had fallen and is now linking up two balconies that are otherwise separated. So I figured, okay, this is an opportunity for me to just, like, you know, feel like I'm doing some kind of gameplay moment. So I start walking across haphazardly, and to my surprise, I went too fast and I fell to my death. So there are certainly elements of this game that want to have some actual action-based platforming or action-based elements to help you feel like you're doing something in the game other than just walking around. It definitely succeeded in that for me. And, I mean, there wasn't, like, there's not much I can give away in terms of the story. I mean, it was a lengthy demo that even, like, skipped a couple chapters ahead just to show me some extra stuff. But... There are, like, visible... I mean, it's also, like, like it's creepy, it's atmospheric, there's, like, horror vibes to it, um, where you get onto the ship at first and it says quarantine and, 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 like, ridden in blood behind you when you turn around. And so there's definitely, like, a mystery to, to, to uncover when you're playing this game. Much like with Bioshock, a lot of it is... Uh, a lot of the stories is delivered through audio tapes or, like, like just audio recordings or phone calls with, with different members of you know, the crew or whoever's on this boat, and you encounter some 
kind of sadistic people on the boat too, like people that not like the splicers of Bioshock, but but crazed people that will follow you and chase you down and start stabbing you if they find you. So um, there's definitely some action elements to this game. And again, just to reiterate, it is gorgeous. Like it looks fantastic. It sounds great. The voice acting is great. The protagonist is really interesting. And it's great that it's a playable female character. And it's great that her ambition her reason for being there is to track down her her sister and and you know make it out of there alive and i'm just intrigued by this atmospheric world and i want to see what happens next i'm, I'm dying to see what happens next uh this was a game that wasn't on my radar but now it certainly is fans of bioshock i mean don't be expecting a shooter or anything like that it's still ultimately a an adventure game with some light puzzles and some light action segments but um definitely went above and beyond for what my expectation is for a uh, for an adventure game for kind of a story-based adventure game so definitely look out for it again it is close to the sun developed by storm in a teacup and it is coming later this year for pc ps4 and xbox one next game i played is double fine's recently announced game uh rad and it's weird because it's actually being published by bandai namco or co-published by Bandai Namco because I you know I know that Double Fine publishes their own games typically so this was kind of weird it was at Bandai Namco's booth um oddly enough but it was also at Double Fines anyway in regard you know in in any case I got the chance to try it it didn't really like seem like the coolest like thing to me when I I think it was announced during again Nintendo's Nindy Direct it seemed like interesting enough to me I wasn't like super sold on it um I played it at the conference and it definitely sways a couple of my fears and um made it you know the final product that I played at the at the at PAX was more interesting than I envisioned basically it's almost like a roguelike where you start a run you basically start off as a base person with base stats and you go around you kill enemies and like an action-based um combat system as you kill enemies you rack up kind of like the pseudo experience points that these experience points level you up in the form of granting you a new mutation so i developed the, uh, a skull that i can you know release from my face like i can send a skull out glowing like neon green and it explodes in front of enemies and then i leveled up a little bit later in the game in, in my run and i got a detachable arm that i could throw as like a boomerang to damage enemies so basically you're constantly gaining new abilities as you're going through this run and it's and it's manifested in the form of these wacky mutations that alter your you know your character's physical traits um you also gain like currency by beating enemies and you uh, that you can trade in for different abilities or different like um potions and items at vendors strung across the map um you get keys that you can use to open rare chests. I mean, it's basically like a top-down game. It almost feels like a little bit like a Diablo. I don't want to, that's like I don't want to go crazy here, but it's not an RPG. But top-down in the vein of like a Diablo or like a Bastion, and you go around and you kill enemies, and you're not getting loot. I also would not go that far, but you are getting um, constantly getting better. You're you're constantly acquiring means to perhaps buy yourself new items. Um, and, and hopefully get as far as you can before dying and losing your run or finishing your run. Um, I don't really know what to expect of this game. Roguelikes and these types of games are not really my tea. Um, but, I mean, the combat was tight. It was The mechanics were pretty sharp. 
Um, I liked the style of it. I liked. I think there was like an announcer that, that as you like start spawning in, and and it's the game seems to have like a fair bit of personality to it. Um, I just don't know how many how much in terms of like legs the game has to continue with. Um, I don't know how if it'll keep my interest for very long. But um, for those that might be a fan of Double Fine's humor and quirkiness and of also roguelikes and unpredictable you know behavioral patterns for for enemies and and bosses, uh, this could be a fun one. So I mean I'm not gonna won't be too quick to judge it, but. Uh, I believe that game is coming out later this year on every, you know, every major platform. Next game uh, is another one I, I really want to chat about. This is a game called Spark Light, developed by Red Blue Games and published by Merge Games. I encountered this game near the end of my time on Sunday. I was, again, scouring the hall for something interesting to play. This game immediately drew me in with a gorgeous pixel art, um, you know, pixel art style. Uh Right away, my mind went to games like Iconoclast uh, and games like Zelda. Um, maybe not Zelda in terms of the way it looks, but definitely in terms of its vibrant colors. And then Iconoclast, both in the way it looks and also its vibrant colors. And uh, I think in this game, you also play as a female protagonist, if I recall correctly. I might be uh, confusing too many things, conflating too many things, but I believe you do. I believe you do. And you have a wrench much like the protagonist of Iconoclast. And um, basically you end up in a hub world uh, over, you know, kind of in the sky on like the ship. And uh, you basically, from there, you go down to an overworld. And the hook of this thing is it's a top-down game. Think 2D Zelda. Except every time you die, you you basically go back to the, you spawn back at the hub world with any upgrades or currency or like points that you've accrued basically beating enemies in the hub world uh, um in the overworld excuse me in the overworld opening chests like doing anything like that beating enemies up opening chests you know searching like exploring that'll grant you uh basically like these blue shards that you can then trade in for uh like an an, an extra life like a permanent extra life like a permanent extra um like mana point or something like that um, greater defense or, or some other kind of character altering trait and then basically when you descend from the hub world back into the overworld the overworld procedurally generates like regenerates itself to form something completely new so it is a procedurally generated 2d zelda game that has a, a static hub world in which you can constantly better yourself while also um you know making you more prepared to tackle the procedurally generated world once more and it's interesting because the developer when i was asking him about it was very quick to say this is not a roguelike don't mistake this for a roguelike because roguelikes uh, have this tendency of giving out this air that the game is meant to be difficult it's meant to punish you it's meant to kill you death is inevitable and you will lose all your stuff you'll lose all your progress this is not a game where you need to fear death you know if you die again you wake up back in a hub world and you have an opportunity to actually improve your character and and basically have a better shot at surviving next time. Yeah, the overworld looked pretty expansive from what I could see. There were like a lot of different biomes, like a forest area, which is where I was playing. Like there's like an underground mine where there was a boss battle that I was trying to face and, and got like my butt handed to me. I think there were like a desert. There's a de desert area. I'm sure there's a fire area, water area. So there's all those classic like, like Zelda inspired areas that you could expect from a game like that. And the story was, I mean, the dialogue was pretty sharp. I don't really know much about the story, um, but the game is 
like really cool looking and I love the the environments and the enemies the enemy design the protagonist looks, looks really cool and um, yeah so the gameplay was pretty tight like fun to play uh, it, but it looks like this is a game that is very much still being tweaked and altered. I think that the developers are aiming for a 2019 release, but I believe that that's hinging on some details. They were getting a lot of feedback from people at PAX, like, uh, you know, a little oddly enough, um, you couldn't regain health in the overworld, which, you know, to me seemed like an obvious kind of drawback, but then the developer kind of explained it to me where there are more thoughts that go into this than you might realize, for example... If you can regain health in the overworld, there might not ever be an incentive to go back to the hub world to improve yourself. And so the game might be too easy if you can recover health just willy-nilly. So they're going to try to find a balancing act there. Um, I also mentioned, you know, wanting a quality of life option to get back to the hub world more easily than just having to die. You know, because it feels like at this point in the game, dying is the only way of being able to, to further your character. Um, so that's another thing. So basically, they're looking to to take some feedback from fans and, and players and, and improve the game to the best of their ability. Um, but even right now, like just based on what I've seen, it, it, it seems like a really promising game. It's gorgeous. It plays pretty well. Like the boss fight that I was playing was very fun to play against, even though um, I was having trouble beating it. Um, and yeah, I'm looking to see a, a few more of what I, you know, what elements we can expect from the game, whether it's, um, you know, again, like a Zelda classic Zelda fashion, do you get certain items that help you basically traverse the world a little easier or, or other dungeons that you can partake in? Um, or is it mainly going around to different areas of the map and defeating bosses? Like, like, what, you know, what kind of experience lies in store for us? But at its very least, at the very least, it is a cool game in the way that it approaches procedural generation without being a hindrance or you know oppressive to the player and i think we need more games that aren't afraid to embrace procedural you know world design procedural enemy design gameplay uh without making it feel like an impressive oppressive environment for players like i think that's a really cool thing that they're doing so i am absolutely going to keep an eye on this one and i suggest you do too last three games i played i'm going to Rapid fire through these a little bit. Uh, first one, a game called Eagle Island from Pixelnix and published by Screen Wave Media. This is a, uh, you know, kind of keeping with the trend, it was a pixel 2D side-scroller game where you basically have a owl or a fal you know, a falcon or a some, oh, no, sorry, it's Eagle Island. So you have an eagle um, that you can call at any time and you can use that to basically throw it into enemies. That's how you, that's your primary attack. And basically, you can. The idea is to string together these combos of attacking enemies. Basically, whenever you decide to throw your eagle, you stop in midair so you can kind of aim it and you can aim kind of omnidirectionally. You can aim in eight different directions. And the idea is to basically combo these very these different uh, attacks uh, to build up your score uh, as you partake through these kind of labyrinth levels. And um, your bird has four different elements you have like a normal attack you have a fire you have a wind and i believe you have a lightning these are different ways to i guess interact with enemies as you're going through an enemy uh, going through a a labyrinth or a particular uh, map and i believe it is procedure i believe it's procedurally generated like a roguelike uh i might be off base with that perhaps it's actually regularly structured like a regular metrovania slash platforming game uh, the first thing that struck me about this game is that it's kind of difficult. Uh, I was trying to play through. There was like a, a normal mode and a hard mode, and both modes were equally difficult in my opinion. So I didn't get a great sense of, of what the game 
who the uh, the target audience is. I, I had a hard time, and I consider myself a pretty competent gamer. So, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a ton to glean from this one. I only had a little bit of time to play it, but it was, you know, it was interesting, and it was fun to see a game that had the 2D take on, basically, you know, it kind of brought me full circle on Friday uh, morning afternoon I played Falcon Age which was a VR title that had you calling a falcon and using it to attack enemies uh, and now I got to see it in two you know basically a 2D game that riffs on the same idea made by completely different people at the complete opposite side of the show floor so that was intriguing even if you know I'm a little confused about the the game itself um, and what exactly it wants to be uh, that said I did check on the Steam page a little earlier and saw some crazy you know gifs of uh, oh, I just said GIFs. I meant GIFs. No, no. I saw the crazy GIFs of of basically developer or some player just going to town on enemies in the game and showing what you can do when everything's very fluid. And that's the kind of game that, that really intrigued me. So I will link a, a trailer or some, some form of media so you can get a sense of what the gameplay in this game is like. But yeah, I mean, it was an interesting one to find on the show floor near the end of my time. Second to last game I played was kind of wild. It's a game called Devil's Hunt, developed by Laopi Games and published by 1C Entertainment. The only way I can describe this game is it is a 3D, probably made in Unreal, action game feels like a cross between God of War and Devil May Cry. So, I, yeah, that probably already excited a lot of people. It is God of War-esque in the sense of there you're basically well, it's let me, you it's it's Devil May Cry-esque in the sense of you play as this kind of uh, sarcastic young protagonist that's kind of an asshole and uh, he has like a an, like a this demon form and he has like this like this arm that's basically always on fire. Um, so very like Dante-esque character, but also Kratos in the sense, like also has some, not great, like some God of War elements in the fact that you're trying to, uh, in the demo at least, you rescue this guy that is like another, like a demi-human or something, and you have to complete a puzzle to let him out of this cage, and at, at, at first I was like, oh God, this guy's going to go full Kratos and just kill him or something and take a weapon. Didn't go that way, so it definitely is like more like Dante from Devil May Cry in terms of character, and God of War in terms of that puzzle puzzle aspect and almost like a close over the shoulder like recent recent like like 2017 uh, 2018 god of war in terms of like behind the shoulder camera but this game uh then in terms of gameplay plays like a bit like a, a mix of god of war and devil may cry closer to a game like devil may cry i mean it is a beat-em-up so there's no like swords or guns but you basically have a bunch of hot keys that you can press or like you know the face buttons activate these various special moves that you can then build up by doing regular attacks um you know it, it was like i wouldn't call it like mindless it was i mean it was on the easy side the demo was definitely easy i don't know if that's the case for the real game but it was easy um it was satisfying to pull off these moves and the game uh, it looks really good, too, while doing this, like, a very, like, sharp technical graphics, which kind of surprised me, considering I've never heard of this game. It kind of goes to show my point that, or my belief that every game this generation just really, like, really, it, it, like, it's not a rare thing. It's not a rarity these days for, like, a normal, like, average game to have superb graphics. I'm not saying that this game is necessarily an average game. I'm just saying that it's a game that, out of from out of nowhere, I got to see at the show, and really impressed in terms of its visual style now whether that gameplay can measure up to the the really sharp visuals remains to be seen but um you know it was a fun little addition fun little game to encounter and i, I don't know maybe is it a little game i don't know maybe it's a big game i mean in terms of production values certainly seemed like one of the bigger ones i played on sunday but 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Devil's Hunt. Um, not much else to say about it, but I believe it is coming out on PC, Xbox One, PS4 later this year. Um, yeah, just a nice little pleasant surprise. If you're a fan of like hack and slash beat 'em ups, Devil May Cry, even like a little flare of God of War, might be worth looking into this one. And the very last game I played on Sunday at PAX East was Sayonara Wild Hearts, by um, developed by Simogo and published by Annapurna Interactive, oddly enough. Um, this game was also in the Nintendo Nindy Direct. It is a wild rhythm music-based game where you, I don't know, you ride a motorcycle or, you know, it's just like this crazy stylized game with shades of, like, neon pink and purple and blue and green where you play as this woman that basically has a motorcycle and you're doing all kinds of crazy things and the level is, like, warping and just morphing all around you and I don't even I really don't know how to describe this any more than that it's like it's like not the most technical music rhythm game it's not like a guitar hero it's not it's not like any kind of harmonics game that I've played like with really uh, dead you know like really tried and true mechanics it's not like thumper like the recent VR game Uh, it's not like any of those kind of games it is a much more loose game it's much more about feeling a certain way having a certain mood rather than being particularly challenging I think um, so I don't know if I like that or not. I think, I think like in terms of visual style, audio, visual style, it's, it sounds and looks fantastic. It'll be a great game to have on your switch, but in terms of actual, like how fun the gameplay is, I, I don't know. Like, I think I'll take it or leave it. It depends on whether or not the game actually gets a little more interesting. Now I will say by the end of my demo, I played four levels, like at the very beginning of the game. And by the end of the fourth level, things were getting like a lot more interesting. You were on your motorcycle. Um, you could move, you know, you move left to right as you're driving down these, this kind of predetermined on rails road. And you can try to pick up these gems. And then there are also some moments where you have to press like a face button to like do like an actual jump to hop over obstacles or like these contextual based jumps so i do think that if the game layers on more systems as it goes it could be like a kind of interesting rhythmic uh gameplay experience if it kind of rests on its laurels and plays it safe though it might be just mainly an experience like a you know so-so experience um gameplay wise like a real audio visual feast for your eyes and ears so we'll have to wait and see on that one but that is everything i, I didn't want to truncate anything on this list i know it was kind of lengthy so i appreciate you bearing with me i didn't want to truncate everything on this list because regardless of whether or not i was super stoked about a game regardless of whether or not a game only kind of managed to like impress me um i mean the 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 fact of the matter remains that every game i played at pax at least impressed me in one way or the other like there was no bad games that i interacted with during my time and that again goes back to the fact that it's a great time to be playing making games it's a great time to be playing games it's a great time for developers to be making games especially indie games i think um i know we're seeing a lot of like unsettling things in triple a game development so it was kind of interesting to take a step back from your days gone's and your controls and focus in on these individual creators these small teams these you know small scale teams that are working on these really passionate projects to try to get them to consumers like you know in a timely fashion while not compromising on their lofty ideas for these games. So, um, yeah, I mean, only real positive vibes coming out of PAX. Uh, 10 out of 10 would do it again. Love my time. Uh, best of luck to all these developers and publishers with getting these games out. Hopefully all of them within 2019, if you know, God willing. But if not, uh, early 2020, let's hope for it. Um, I can't wait to play 
you know, a good chunk of these bad boys. And, um, yeah, so thanks for listening to Day 4. This is a wrap on the Weekend at Dave's PAX East 2019 special coverage. Uh, stay tuned uh, later on in the coming days uh, slash, you know, in a few weeks, perhaps, when I come out with uh, a, some, perhaps, a best of PAX list uh, highlighting some of my very favorites out of the four, out of the whole list of you know thirty some odd games that I played uh, this past weekend. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Thanks again, guys, and have a good one. We'll see you next time.